Paul's prayer in the book of Colossians chapter 1 is a very significant prayer, I believe, for this next season of the body of Christ. I would encourage you this week to reflect on it, to rehearse it a bit. It's Colossians 1, verse 9. It says, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Aren't you thankful that you don't live in that place of darkness, that place of literally the origin of darkness and the origin of ignorance of the same, that place of ignorance? not understanding the things of God. Lord, awaken that within us even more so. Enlighten us. Bring us into a greater knowledge of the things of God. I believe that today you are addressing and dealing with distraction in our lives. And even in our time of worship, some of us have been warring with distraction. It's part of what you're doing in these moments together. So we just fix our minds on you. We fix our eyes on you. You would help us, Lord, to have a, a concentrated focus of what you're desiring to say, speak, reveal. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Just as we're in this moment together, I'd, I'd like us to agree over our declaration, particularly these first 40 days, we come back to this over and over but it's our five core values in a statement. And let's make this statement together even before we move beyond this moment. Would you just say it out loud? It'll come up on the screen for us. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. That is our aim. That is our goal. We want to serve the Lord with that kind of a heart. So we want to press in today, and I believe God wants to unlock some things deep within us. So go ahead, take your seat. Last week we talked about what it is to be outrageously loving. Our first and foremost focus as a church family. And today we want to talk about what it is to passionately pursue God. What does it mean? Not just to pursue God, but to passionately pursue Him. So I don't want to merely talk about pursuing God. I want really to address the deeper issue of passion. Because we're not just talking about pursuing God, we're talking about what? Passionately pursuing God. Do you have a passion pursuit of the things of God. Would you say that characterizes your life? 
And largely, uh, I'm going to kind of camp around this idea. We, nobody in this room, nobody online, we're tuning in because we want more of what God has in store. Probably not one single person under the sound of my voice would deny Christ. We won't deny him, but will we dethrone him? And that's what I want us to see today. When we get so easily distracted, allowing other things to come in to our passionate focus, we're not necessarily denying Christ, but there are times that we are guilty of dethroning him. In other words, taking him off of the center place of our lives because something else is going to be there just for a little while. Anybody relate to this at all? Anybody ever do this before? How many of you are ready to... uh, for, for the Lord to help us understand how to put him truly in the center of everything that we are. And that is the goal and the hope and the desire for everything that we're going to talk about today. Our lives are full of passionate pursuits. You are passionately pursuing something. It's easy in the world that we live in to passionately pursue money, power, education, relationships, business, status, fame, whatever that looks like, followers on social media. I mean, we can get really passionate about pursuing these things, and, and there's a significant element for us to understand in this, prob- in this process. You don't have a problem uh, pursuing what you're passionate about. Whatever you really are passionate about, that is what you pursue. In fact, pursuit is proof of passion. So a lot of people can say, you know, I really want the Lord. I really want to honor God. But my question, and, and it's, a, it's kind of a painful question, just to be quite honest, for all of us to consider, and that is, am I passionately pursuing the things of God? How passionate am I about that in comparison with maybe some of the other things um, that I'm passionate about in my pursuit? Now, I think today the Lord wants to do something uh, supernatural transacting within us. There's this, this seven-second clip, and I've been watching it over and over. And uh, I'll present it to you as a church family before too long, but I just keep looking at it over and over. And it's the, um, it's the story of the lion when he's having, what's the name of this movie, the uh, I've forgotten it now, but the little girl and uh, lion witch in the wardrobe and, uh, you know, the lion's having this conversation with this girl and, and it just this little seven-second clip because he, he makes the statement, um, I think it's time for your friends to stop sleeping now. It's time for them to wake up. And he steps back and he roars this huge roar to wake everybody up. And I want to say, I think it's time for your friends to stop sleeping now. The lion of the tribe of Judah is beginning to roar, and he's wanting to awaken something of the prophetic roar of God in the body of Christ. And your friends are going to come to know Jesus, and your family is going to come to know Jesus. Do you believe what I'm saying today? Can you embrace something of a sense of the Spirit of God? We're believing for salvation on a magnitude level that's phenomenal. I'm believing God and we're believing God for our community to come to know Jesus. 
<laughs> like the world would be a better place. Crime levels would go down. Domestic violence and abuse would decrease. You do understand when the world comes to know Jesus, it becomes a better place. I'm not talking about when the world comes to know religion. I'm talking about when the world comes to know the very character and nature of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. And so I believe by the Spirit of God, we want to do more than just come into this room and have religious behavior and religious activity. We want to encounter the Savior. We want Him to unlock some things within us that are supernatural. I'm asking God to deepen us in a way that challenges us profoundly. I am, in a good way, I mean this in a good way, but I am incredibly nervous about what the Lord has spoken to me, I'm to bring two weeks from today. And I would invite your prayers because I believe that we are about to dismantle some commonly held ideologies in the culture in which we live because God is looking for some people that will allow the kingdom ideology to trump everything else in their life in the way that they live. But it's painful because we have been given to these cultural ideologies and, and even the, the political values that shape our, cons, our theological conclusions. I'm just telling you, God wants to address some things and shake some things up and help us to stop being American Christians and start being Christian Americans where our citizenship is in heaven before our citizenship is aligned with our political conclusions and all the, the craziness going on in the world. You might as well just clap it in because I am going to preach it in in two weeks. We're going to step into another dimension of allowing Jesus to be Lord of our lives. And that is required if we want King Jesus to show up in our land. Are we together on this? Are we willing to lay down some things that maybe we have deemed sacred, but they're actually not consecrated in our lives? Because God wants us to have consecration, and God wants us to have conviction, and God wants us to have standards that really do shape our passionate pursuit of his kingdom and not our own. His kingdom and not even the kingdom that we hope to see built on the earth. I mean, you just have to understand, there's so much more that God can do than we have allowed ourselves to believe when we start thinking that the systems of the world have to be aligned in a certain way for King Jesus to show up. I don't know if you realize it or not, but most of your biblical heroes lived their lives under complete governmental oppression, and they still did mighty things in the kingdom of God expanded in the earth. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's a little commercial of two weeks from today. I would invite your prayers as we begin to ask the Lord for wisdom because I think it's important that we understand even if we don't deny Jesus, we do dethrone him in many ways and largely it's the result of deception. So let's look at this. What is it that ignites passion. I could, I could ignite passion in this room today. All I have to do is start getting into some hot button topics and immediately the room would divide into passionate, uh, you know, eruptions taking place. I mean, there are things that you are passionate about. 
Are you more passionate about those things than you are about the pursuit of God, the heart of Jesus, humility, loving your neighbor? Are you more passionate? I mean, what are you really passionate about? What is it that awakens such a deep passion within humanity in certain areas of our lives? I, I mean, there's just a lot going on inside of you. You do realize that. There's a lot. You are a deeply complex person. We recently were having a conversation. I'm trying to remember who it was, but Tracy and I were talking. Oh, we were on our trip uh, coming back from Dallas, and Josh Sharp is in the back seat. And we're talking about this, this year, Sunday, February the 14th, is actually uh, on a Sunday. Valentine's Day is on a Sunday. So Tracy and I are going to be talking just about relationships and marriage, and uh, we're going to tag team on that, have a little chat with the congregational family, and we were asking Josh some questions, and I said, he said, uh, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like the way guys think, and so Josh starts explaining the way men think, and we're like, yeah, that's right, and Tracy's like, yeah, that's right, and I said, well, Tracy, so now we clearly understand the way men think, how do women think? To which she sat there in prolonged silence and said, I don't know, <laughs> to which I responded, if a woman doesn't know how women think, how's a man supposed to survive this thing? I mean, how's this supposed to happen? You know, we are deeply complex individuals. How many of you know? I mean, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on deep within your soul. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on deep within your history. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on deep within your emotions, anchored to some experiences that perhaps have happened years and years ago. I was talking to a pastor and his wife and just in the conversation, the, the, the tone was about here. It was just spirited, conversational tone. Passionate, but not, not over the top, just kind of about here. And all of a sudden, in this conversation, she went from here to here like that fast. I mean, she, she was kind of raising up out of her seat. Her, her face was, was flustered. You could clearly see she was emotional and passionate. And, and the conversation was that somebody in the church that, that they lead as a, a, a single girl, not married, had become pregnant, and, and the, the pastor's wife, she rose up almost out of her seat. She said, well, this church will never turn our backs on anybody who's walking through that kind of a situation. They're going to feel our love, and they're going to feel our support. And I thought, man, we're on the same page, but the magnitude of your response just exceeded the context of this conversation greatly. Can you tell, and I, I actually addressed it and said, why did you go so there when we were here in that moment just now? Because like we're all in agreement. And then it came out, she said, my oldest child is not my husband's. And I was a teenager, and when I was abandoned by the man that said he loved me, and I was on my own to decide what to do as a pregnant teenager, and I found no support and only scorn and disdain from my church family that I was a part of. How many of you know she was speaking from a deeper place in that moment than any of the rest of us could understand? And that's why she went from here to here. Do you recognize what I'm talking about? There's something going on. There's a lot going on inside all of us. When a person has a reaction that exceeds the magnitude of the situation, there's something deeper taking place within that person's life. And it might actually result from something that happened years ago. I remember when we were in the other auditorium before we built this building and, and I was speaking a message and I don't even remember what the topic was, but I just remember I got into a, a story 
of a conversation that I had when I was 11 years old. Now, I don't know how old you think I am, but I am a few years past 11, okay? When I was in like the sixth grade, I had this experience with Mrs. Foster. How in the world do I remember Mrs. Foster's name? Why is it that I can so vividly envision Mrs. Foster's face? Why is it that I can even think of Mrs. Foster's uh, behavioral patterns? Why is that so branded in me? And and I, I shared just a little bit of this and, and how as a sixth grader, I wasn't really motivated to do much education. As long as I made C's, I was perfectly fine. So I didn't try very hard until I had to bring my grade up from an F or a D because C was fine, you know, as long as I passed. And, and that very much frustrated my teachers because I think many times they saw that there was more in me than I was willing to give. And that frustrates all of us when we see that around. And so Mrs. Foster had kind of had it with me. And, and in, in this one instance, I worked on my homework assignment and, and really just pretty much put my name on it and scribbled something and turned it in. And it was an assignment that required some elaborate uh, study to take place. And so she stands up and is walking, handing everybody their papers, calling their names. And then she goes to the front of the classroom. She leans against her desk. I remember this so vividly and, and all out of papers. I'm, I'm keenly aware that I've not received my homework paper yet. Everybody else in the room has. And so I'm alert and looking around like what's happening here. And she said, I've handed out all the papers that I'm going to hand out. Lawrence, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and get your paper. So here I am, insecure young man, get up. I walk to the front of the classroom, unsure why she's not giving me my homework assignment. And she holds it out. And as soon as I go to reach for it, she lets it go so that it floats to the ground. To which I then find myself kneeling in front of this teacher to pick up utterly humiliated and then completely dehumanized as she says you put so little effort into that it's not worth my effort to put it in your hand and I turned around and wanted to burst into tears but that would only further humiliate me in that moment and I walked back to my seat of course in the very back of the classroom and I sat there that day processing something that I did not realize was going to affect me for years. And I shared this story in that auditorium, and to demonstrate, I actually had a piece of paper that I dropped. In fact, it was a group of papers. And when the message was over and the ministry time was finished, I was grabbing my things and was about to walk off, and I realized Dee Dee Glaze had made her way up on the platform. Charlie and Dee have been elders in our church for years, have recently stepped into a role beyond eldership to a mother, father of the house, uh, and, and they've been so instrumental in ministry in so many people's lives. I know that they're watching online uh, this morning. But Dee she gathered those papers, and she stood up with the deepest sense of compassion that I cannot even explain. And she walks up to me, and she said, I want to give you your papers. And in that moment, you have to realize, I put two and two together. She's a a retired school teacher. It so burdened her that a child would have um, been so degraded by a teacher. She was coming in an apologetic expression with the full weight of the office of a person who understood the magnitude of her role as a teacher. 
And she handed me those papers. She said, I want to give you your papers. And I want you to know something. I broke. It was the strangest thing. I was no more emotional about the story than I was with you just now, which I was emotional, but I could contain it just fine. But in that moment where she extended a deep sense of regretful apology on behalf of a teacher, I mean, I'm even more emotional now thinking about it. And I stood there sobbing, sobbing. I couldn't even put it into words. But something healed in me in that moment from all those years past. How many know there is something deep going on inside every one of our lives? What if your capacity to feel things so deeply is actually a mechanism that has been given to you by God? So we don't have a problem sacrificing for the things that we desire. The question is, what do we desire and why do we desire them? That becomes the deeper question that God is wanting to address in all of our lives, that God is wanting to reach into our heart. Would you just open your heart in this moment, however you need to do that, but just you personally open your heart and just let the hand of God reach into your life in this moment, much like in that moment where somebody came and issued that extension of an apology and something within me started just being touched by God profoundly on behalf of what was taking place in the moment. Would you just allow the Spirit of God to reach into your soul in this moment in time and activate a deeper passion of the pursuit of God that we might be outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord our God with the sacrificial expression of our lifestyle. I receive that today. I receive God doing something supernatural in me to deepen my passion. How about you with an amen receive it? I receive that today. Sometimes we don't understand the value of the supernatural of what God's desiring to do. But there are those things that we are passionate about and then those things that we are not so passionate about. How many of you are not passionate about mornings? And I just see, you're just not very passionate. How many of you have a hard time sometimes getting up in the morning? You get over there and you dump coffee in your face and hope that it helps you start to wake up. But I want you to think about, I'm gonna challenge a, a paradigm for a moment, because like, we, we could easily just say, I'm just not a morning person. And, and rightfully, some people have a spring more automatically in the morning, I am that person. Um, and what I wanna challenge you to understand is when we're looking at this overall context uh, then it's not necessarily categorizing yourself in a diminished conclusion that's going to help you. And in fact, I submit to you that everybody in this room has the capacity to actually be a morning person. Now, I know, especially because it's morning, some of you are already, you know, you're just dismissing what I'm saying. But I want you to think back when you were a kid. And it was Christmas morning. 
How many of you were morning people on Christmas morning? Can I just see? Absolutely. Even if you're not a morning person, like you are waking up in the night, like through the watches of the night, you keep waking up thinking, is it time? Is it time? It's not yet time. And when it's finally time, you bolt out of bed with absolute expectation of the grandest morning you've ever experienced. I mean, can you imagine if we could translate that into something spiritual? Now, Let's be realistic. Pastor Lawrence, Pastor Lawrence, Pastor Lawrence, are you trying to tell me that my spiritual wife can actually be like Christmas morning? I mean, isn't that just a little over the top? I understand. I understand. When we put this in the context of our cultural conclusions, it doesn't make sense. And the Bible actually says the gospel is foolishness to people who allow the context of the world to define and shape the beliefs that they behold. But I want you to understand there is something we read about in Scripture. And David woke up through the watches of the night, not because he was longing to get up and open Christmas presents, but because he longed to be in the presence of God. And as he woke up through the watches of the night, he kept waking up thinking, oh, I'm still in the middle of the night. It's not yet time. When can I go and meet with God? In other words, he learned to live his life with such eternal expectation that he longed for the presence of God in such a way that every morning carried this expectation perspective that actually exceeds the best moment the world has to offer even Christmas. Psalm 63, 1 to 6. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night. Psalms 42, 1 to 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, oh God. My soul thirst for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And we know Psalms 84, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I am addressing an absence of passion that God wants to awaken within the hearts of his people who are willing to receive what God's desiring to do. Come on, 60 seconds. Let's just press in. Let's just press in. Come on, go deeper. Take it one level higher. Allow him to activate something in your heart that will transform your life. There is something deep going on within you. There is something deep taking place within us today. What are you into? What are you into? What are you passionate about? Can you imagine what it would be like to experience the actual life of Jesus? Like wake up so in touch with what the Father's doing that through the course of the day, Casual encounters release healing in people's bodies. Blind people see. Dead people live. Like, do you understand? Maybe 
Your cultural context extracted you from any capacity or ability to hold these things in mind in the previous portion of my message when I was making what seemed to be preposterous conclusions. But when we start to see them through the lens of 1 John 2, 6, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Maybe there is an eternal expectation that we can start to carry that just begins to transform everything about our perspective and the way we walk with God. I want you to listen very carefully. The statement will come up on the screen. I want you to process this. The less you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more you thirst for entertainment. The less you pay attention to the real deal, the more you pursue the counterfeit. Medicating the absence of God's purposes in your life will never take you anywhere good. Now I want to challenge you today that you would not settle for a life that is spiritually impoverished. Are you processing this today? You're about as quiet as I've ever heard you. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying, please be processing what God is revealing to awaken something within us that will change the way we walk. Don't settle for a life that is spiritually impoverished as a result of not prioritizing your spiritual development. Your spiritual development, staying true in the word, gathering together as the church, learning really what it means to walk in a true sense and spirit of community. The Bible actually says, taste and see. Can you finish it? That the Lord is good. Can, can you understand something? This is the, the essence of what that is saying is not the person that's sitting back and chill about the things of God. This is the person that's coming to the table Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like press into this and explore and experience this. It's so important to understand this. And here we are in the first 40 days of the year where we're cultivating some of these deeper realities that God wants us to possess. And I, I guarantee you the desire to get better is not a strong enough desire to transform your life. I don't know if you understand, but as a person who used to be on drugs and living in the lifestyle that I was in, the desire that would every once in a while hit me to to be better, to live better, to be good, to do more. It's not enough. There has to be a transforming power that goes down deep within your soul that awakens something you begin to cooperate with. I'm talking about the supernatural power of God today. The supernatural power of God. It gets deep within your soul and it messes with your mechanism. That mechanism that made that pastor's wife rise up in a conversation about an unwed mother. That mechanism that brought me to tears when a teacher handed me that paper. You understand? That mechanism is actually a God-given mechanism within you. And God's wanting to tamper with that a little bit today. Luke chapter 9 verse 34 <laughs> They became deeply aware of God. Whew. 
What does that look like in lifestyle fashion? They became deeply aware of God. It's the message. They became deeply aware of God. I believe months from now, it is entirely possible for you to find yourself standing in a spiritually vacant field because you did not purpose to sow seed. You know, the agricultural ideology is throughout Scripture. You didn't purpose to sow any seed in your pursuit, in your passion of knowing Him. I'm talking about seed of time in places of prayer. That will produce a harvest. How many believe that'll produce a harvest? That'll produce a harvest months down the road if I spend time like fasting and praying. Like, I, I, there's an incredible harvest right now. I just, I can't help but I keep looking over and I see Sister Russell sitting here on the second row and I just think about the harvest of her life that I actually get to enjoy. How many of you think I preach better because here's a woman who's been praying probably longer than I've been alive and she's a prayer uh, powerhouse right here in this place. If she amens me, I know I'm doing all right. I mean, there's something about this woman of God who's been praying all these years. And you know what? This Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, if she does what she does every week, she's going to show up here for prayer in this room because she's passionate and hungry for the Lord. And it just so happens this Tuesday morning, uh, we'll be celebrating and declaring she'll be 92 years old this week on Tuesday. God bless you, Sister Russell. Happy birthday. She said, oh, to be 80 again. <laughs> this is a woman who finds a prayer closet no matter what it takes in her house, in her church, everywhere she goes. She's been sowing spiritual seed in her pursuit of God that has produced a harvest around her that you and I get to enjoy and benefit. How many of you are thankful for that? I want to encourage you, sow spiritual seed that will produce a harvest that other people will be able to enjoy and benefit from in your own life. I'm talking about the way you serve other people, the way you love other people, the way you pursue God, and the way you give, exploring that irrationally generous nature of God. I, I, you just got to understand, giving has always been a part of worship. From the very beginning, not, not born from the law, actually prior to the law, Abram is tithing to Melchizedek. So it's before the law, the law reiterates it, Jesus reiterated it. This is a part of our worship. And I want to encourage you to explore what this is because it produces this field that brings about a tremendous harvest after you've sown and you've been faithful in those giving stations in the back or giving online. However you do that, I want to encourage you to find your way into the next step and the next stage of stepping in to what God desires to reveal in your life. I believe that we are coming into a season where the fields are to be ripe unto harvest, but fields and harvest are the result of an agricultural expression now where we're digging deep and we're going in. How many of you are hungry for more of what God wants to do in your life in this season to come? I want more, Lord. I want more. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going to just engage on just a little deeper level of the pursuit of God with worship as we conclude, and then we'll get our commission for the morning. But I want to lay out a couple of things for you. First, there are are those perhaps online, maybe those in this room. I want you to listen very carefully. Maybe you're in a situation where you would say, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. Maybe you're in a place where you've never received Christ before. Maybe you have prayed that prayer, but you realize he's been so dethroned in your life that you need to repent of that and allow him to come back and reign on the throne of your heart. If that's you online, I would encourage you, reach out to those that are online interacting right now. If that's you in this room, then I would encourage you to open your heart wide and let Jesus do a work that only Jesus can do. How many of you need to put Jesus back in the center? Just in all honesty, just go ahead, let me just see. You gotta put him back in the center. I mean, that's a lot of us right now. Come on, let's just stand together. You know, I've learned that my faith is a lot like a piano. Has anybody else figured this out? Like we got this piano and it, they took it to our house and we got it tuned. Like you don't have to do anything to it. It just slowly needs to be tuned again. Anybody, anybody that way in your faith? Like I just got to get a tune up every once in a while. I slowly get out of tune, out of sync And I just come back again. That's kind of what this morning, I think, is about. The Lord's just tuning and twisting and tightening and loosening whatever needs to be adjusted deep within that mechanism of our lives. I'm just going to toss out to you, and I want you to think about it, because as a church family, we want to engage in this, but right after that Valentine's Sunday, we're going to have a worship and baptism night. Some of you Uh, Maybe you've never gone through water baptism in a way that you really understood what it meant. But can I just tell you very quickly, when you came out of the world system, it was like the the, uh, Israelites coming out of the bondage of Egypt. That's what that speaks of. And when the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt, the first thing we see is they passed through the Red Sea. And when they passed through the Red Sea, everything that had held them captive and their parents captive, you understand the legacy of bondage that existed in their life, chased them into the water. They came up out of the water and all of their enemies perished in the water that day. You want to know what water baptism is? It's serving notice on every entanglement that the enemy has ever tried to place on your life. And you You can be free through the power of Jesus. So for us, water baptism isn't just this nice little sacrament that we do. We actually mix our faith with that act and with that expression and declare people walk in a greater place of freedom as a result. We understand that to be saved, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, period, that's it. But come on, there's more in your journey of knowing Jesus. And not only did the Israelites go through water that moment in time, the Israelites went through water another time when they actually went into a more mature pursuit of the promise of God. And that's why we're real proponents. If you didn't really get it when you got baptized the first time, then you really should apply your faith and step into another dimension of your life. And that night during worship 
and baptism for those that are comfortable with it. In the days of COVID, we're going to be chlorinating the water, and we've been kind of preparing to understand a little bit of what that is. But I would invite you just to fill out a connect card and let us know. We'll start to follow out, reach, uh, follow up and reach out, get information to you so that we can walk that out. It's going to be a great night just coming together in a declaration of the Lordship of Christ. Jesus is king. He's king. He's king. Just please hear the heart of this. It's offensive. But hear the heart of it. You and I think democracy. We think democracy. The kingdom of God is theocracy. It's not the same. Our government has put the power into the hands of the people to rule the land. And and I'm so thankful that I live in this nation. Let me be clear. I'm thankful I live in this nation. But when your mindset of making Jesus Lord is born from the confines of democracy, then you don't necessarily understand what it is for him to truly be king. He's not just the president voted in in this season of your life. He's the eternal king that was and is and forever will be. He owns everything. And when you and I were not walking with God, the Bible says that we were enemies of God. Do you understand? Salvation is literally coming before God and surrendering to him as an enemy and he adopts you as a son or daughter and now you're part of the family. Do Do you get what this is all about? This is not about religious prioritization and trying to just put God high on a priority scale. How dare any of us ever try to prioritize God as if he's one of our many priorities in life. He's our everything. He's not here as a supplement to our lives. He is like oxygen and without him there is no life. Holy Spirit, we need you to invade our lives. We need you to transform us. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us think correctly as we renew our mind to the realities of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray even in these few moments that we worship before we're dismissed and charge out of here to fulfill and complete our assignment for the week, whatever that looks like in each of our lives as we honor you, Take our hearts, use our voices. We surrender, Lord, to the passionate pursuit of this risen King, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, I I just want to give you an assignment, and then we're going to worship together. But if you'll go to the blog, you can go on our website, Destiny OKC, or you can get our uh, app on the blog. There is an explanation about how to have communion at home. What I'm saying to you right now is really important. We actually talked about as a team, let's get all the elements together and, and give them to everybody and commission them out. And then 
we step back and realize in this next season of the church, it's where God is awakening the individual who does not live life so connected to the institution in such a way that they can't find their way in their faith without having to be told every little step and detail of what to do. Now, you and I are actually commanded in Scripture not to forsake the assembling together as the body of Christ. And that's why we're here worshiping the Lord. But I believe we need to learn the individual pursuit of God in a more powerful and profound way, passionately pursuing God, awakening something within our children. And so on the blog, there's this full explanation of where you can get elements. And, you know, if you want to just use something in your house, that's perfectly fine. If you want to understand why in Jewish history they use something else, then it would be good for you to be aware of that. But this week, our commission, would you just have communion in your family, in your household, whatever your household looks like? Have communion in your household. We're going to have communion all together here in just a few weeks. But this week, I want to ask you, on your own, would you go and have communion with your family? family and not even necessarily figured it all out, but it's a beautiful thing when you just come before the Lord and you just say, I don't really know how to do all this perfectly or well even, but Lord, I want to honor you. I know that you died. I know that your body was broken. I know that your blood was shed. And I know that we're to do this in remembrance of those important things in, in our lives. And we'll give you an explanation on the blog as you walk that out, but would you just join in these moments, come on, let's press in. Let's use the sound of our voice. Let's bring a declaration of our worship before we charge out of this place. Let's allow God to use the sound of our voice to release something in the atmosphere, not only of this place, but in our city.